Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Hebrews. The New Testament book of Hebrews and the book of Hebrews chapter number 6. The book of Hebrews and chapter number 6. We are continuing with our series of the book of Hebrews. And remember that the book of Hebrews is a good study in what we would call Christology. The study of Jesus Christ. And through it we can see all these references, all these comparisons to Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Aaron. He is better than Joshua. We can see that what Jesus Christ did, it was a better plan, a better sacrifice than the sacrifices of blood and goats. We can see that the way that he presents faith is a lot better uh, path than the Old Testament uh, promises that he had given. And so through it, we're seeing Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is better. And the emphasis is on the person of Jesus Christ. And so if you wouldn't mind, let's open our Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter number 6. The book of Hebrews chapter number 6, and let's begin starting at verse number 13. The book of Hebrews chapter number 6, and in verse number 13, the Bible says this, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. That is, two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, that we might have a strong consolation, who hath fled for refuge to lay a hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, will you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Hebrews chapter number 6? The book of Hebrews chapter number 6, and notice with me in verse number 18. The book of Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 18. Notice the phrase, two immutable things. Two immutable things. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to present these two immutable things to you from the book of Hebrews to show you these two things that cannot change. Two immutable things. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the privilege it is to be in your house today. Thank you that we have your word and that we can see that you're a God who is a true God. 
the true God. That we can depend upon you. We can trust you. We know that you'll never let us down. That you can never fail. You cannot change. I'm asking that as we open up your Bible. That we can learn more about you through your precious word. Again because we want to present you. I know that I could just going to fall short. I don't have the words. I don't have the intellect. I don't have the ability to show these good folks who you are, but your Holy Spirit can. So the best I know how I surrender myself to you. I give you my thoughts, my tongue, my ambitions, my goals, my desires. I give you all of that and just ask that you use me as a vessel tonight, this morning to show these good folks who you are and that we can trust you. And in your name we pray. Amen. Now one of God's greatest attributes is his immutability. That's a big word. Immutability. The word immutability carries the idea of something something that renders change or alteration impossible. So it's something that in simple terms, cannot be changed. It is impossible for them to change. Now, we talk about God's attributes. One of his great attributes is that he is immutable. We also call this his perfection. Why cannot God change? Because he's already perfect. If he could change, then he would not be perfect. God is perfect. Therefore, he is also immutable. Now, because of that, that gives us trust in him. Immutability covers so much. It covers his eternality, meaning that from everlasting to everlasting, God is God. God will never change. He'll never grow old. He'll never grow tired. He'll never need a nap. He'll never get sore. He'll never need a replacement. God never changes. Because he never changes, we can also trust everything he says. Because he doesn't go senile. He doesn't forget what he was going to say. He doesn't uh, misplace anything. He remembers everything. We can trust him. And so God's immutability, again, it's a big word, but it's a great Bible word, is something that describes something that cannot be changed. Anything that alters, anything that could do, uh, mess with it, it is impossible for it to change. It cannot be altered. It cannot change. So with that, we can see that the Bible says there are two immutable things. Two immutable things. What are the two immutable things that is presented here in the word of God? Notice if you don't mind in verse 17, let me show you the first one. The immutability of his counsel. The whole verse, wherein God willing more abundantly to show the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed by oath. The very first thing that is presented here of the two immutable things is God's counsel. We would say it like this, God's word is certain. God's word is certain. You can trust God's counsel. It cannot change. God's word cannot be altered. It remains the same. Notice as it presents this immutability of God's word in verse number 13. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Now, 
Again, to understand the book of Hebrews, we have to go back to the Old Testament because the book of Hebrews is a New Testament com- or an Old Testament commentary through the filter of Jesus Christ. So what is it talking about? Well, it's talking about when, G- when God had made a promise to Abraham that he promised Abraham that he was going to develop out of him a great nation and that from Abraham, he was going to bless all the people. And so God had set up a special ceremony, a special thing with Abraham to sign the agreement. Now, back in the ancient world, what they would do is that they would um, uh, set up this ritual and they would uh, um, have an agreement between two parties. But as they were making this agreement, God put Abraham asleep. And so God was making an agreement to himself concerning Abraham. So therefore, it's not contingent on Abraham, or may I say any of Abraham's children. It wasn't dependent on anything they did. God made a promise to himself concerning Abraham. And so in verse number 13, For when God made a promise to Abraham, he could not swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Meaning that it's talking about God's word. God said, the best thing I can give you, Abraham, is my word. You know, there used to be a time even in our country where a man's word was his bond. Now you have to sign a triplicate, signed by a... uh, someone who processes it, lawyers and everything, people don't keep their word anymore. But God is saying, my word is so sure, there is nothing higher that I could swear by. There is nothing that I could promise by. There is no other greater authority. My word, because it cannot change it, because it comes from me, it can't be altered. That is good enough, Abraham. I give you my promise. I give you my word that, Abraham, these things will come to pass. And by the way, they will come to pass. God had promised Abraham a people forever. He promised them a king forever. He promised them the land forever. And he promised to bring them back to salvation. These are Old Testament covenants. And by the way, those things have not been fulfilled yet. But we could trust that God is going to fulfill those things in what is called the millennial kingdom. The millennial kingdom is the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham. How do we know that they're going to come to pass? Well, because they're not dependent upon the Hebrew people. They're dependent upon God's word that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. He could swear by no greater. You can trust God's word. Notice as it goes on in verse number 14. Saying, surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiply, I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now, it's going by and talking about from Abraham's perspective. Abraham, you are going to have a descendant. You are going to have, I'm giving you the land, I'm giving you a people forever, as the sand of the sea. But Abraham had a problem. I don't have any kids. And so Abraham had to trust that God was going to deliver his word. And so let's say that God, I don't remember the exact age, but he was at least 50 to 70 years old when God had given this promise. Okay. Well, it hasn't come to pass. 70 years old. Well, it hasn't come to pass. And so they began to figure out how is God going to work this out? Now they took things upon themselves instead of trusting God's word and they made a mistake. And so Abraham had a child by the name of Ishmael. 
But that wasn't the, the child of promise that God had given. And so God said, that's not him. I'm still going to give you a child. And so here Abraham is 100 years old. His wife is 90 years old. And God says, guess what you're going to have in the time of life? And Sarah laughed. Wouldn't you laugh too? Some of you who are a little bit older, if someone said, congratulations, wouldn't you kind of chuckle a little bit if they tried to tell you you were going to have a child? Probably. And so Abraham trusted God's promise because God's word is settled. And guess what? He did receive his child a promise. Why was Isaac such a big deal? Because it was based off of God's promise and not on nature. They were saying it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We learn that we could trust God's word because God said it will pass. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even if it defies the laws of nature. Even if it defies logic. God's word can be trusted. Because God said it. Notice as it goes on. Verse 16, for men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them as an end of all strife. Meaning that if two people get in a fight, sometimes they'll try or an argument, they'll have to get it settled. So eventually someone's going to have to get to the place. Let's say that you have two people that don't trust each other and they have an argument. The guy says, well, you know, I'll give it back. Well, you haven't given back any of the other tools that you borrowed from me. When am I going to get this back? Oh, I'll get it back. I'll get it back. Well, because the guy hasn't kept his word, he has to have some other way to prove that he's going to keep his word. Maybe it's collateral. Maybe it's finally getting the thing signed in triplicate, notarized by an attorney and all this other stuff. Isn't that what happens now? Because people don't trust their word. We have to find some way, even in a court system. Before someone testifies in American court, they have to place their hand in a Bible and they're supposed to swear unto God to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. What they're doing is they're saying, I'm basing this off of the Bible. I'm swearing unto God. I have to swear to another. Well, God doesn't need all of these other things. Man, because we're untrustworthy, we have to sometimes have some other thing to swear by to prove that we're going to keep his word. But God we could trust God's word that he's going to do what he said he was going to do. He has proven it over and over and over. His word stands. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. So as it comes to us, God wants to prove to us over and over that his word is true. And God will prove that his word is true. You could put it to the test. You could try God. For example, hold your finger here. Let me show you one of my favorite promises in the word of God. Notice with me the book of John. The gospel record of John chapter 7. Now, I have a science and medical background. I love science. And I love experiments. I love science experiments. I love things that you could test and prove. I like those things. So show... Let me show you where you could put God's word to the test and see it for yourself. Notice with me John 7, 17. John chapter 7 and verse 17. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. 
as I explained in Sunday school, I love that word know. In the Bible, it is my favorite word. K-N-O-W. That word know means to have knowledge of based off of evidence. To have knowledge of based off of evidence. So the Bible says, if any man will do his will, he can know of the doctrine or the teaching, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Here is a scientific experiment that anyone could put to practice. Let me give an illustration. So let's say I go knock on someone's door. Hello, my name's Pastor Scotty Bockhaus from the Riverview Baptist Church. And we're just going around the neighborhood trying to be a blessing, trying to be an encouragement to you. And just wondering if there's anything we could do to pray for you on. Oh, great. Well, I could definitely pray for that. By the way, if you have any other prayer requests, my name and number's on the back of this track. You just let me know and love to have a prayer request. By the way, I'm fast forwarding, all right? So <laughs> I don't speak that fast at the door. But on the front of the track is my favorite question in the world. Are you 100% sure if you die today that you would go to heaven? Well, I understand that. Can I show you from the Bible how you can know with a doubt? Absolutely. Well, we know that heaven's a perfect place and we can go there. God wants us to go there. The problem is, is that none of us are perfect people. And I would go on and explain the gospel that because we're not perfect, we deserve to be separated from God and we deserve to go to an awful place called hell. That's what the Bible says. But God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us and that all we have to do is accept that free gift of salvation. And God promised and God can't lie that he would give us salvation. He would give us forgiveness of sins, full free and forever. Now I would take my time and I just summarized it, but I could take my time at the door and then I would talk to the person who listened very patiently and I said, would you be willing to accept that gift right now? And they would say, that sounds good, but I'm not quite ready. And I would say, no problem, not problem at all. Can I show you a verse here? Let me show you John 7, 17. If any man will do his will, he can know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. I said, what you could do is you could go back inside and close the door and you could say a simple prayer like this. God, this crazy preacher just knocked on my door and just asked, how can, that told me that I can know for sure to go to heaven. And so God, I don't know about all that, but if you are God and you're real and I can know for sure that I'm going to heaven, would you show me in a way that I know it came from you and I will believe it? You know, if they do that, God will show them. That's a promise. You could trust God's word. He wants to show you his word is true. You could put it to the test. That is a scientific experiment that you could know that it wasn't the crazy preacher's idea. This is actually from God. You can know it for yourself. That's one of the wonderful things about being a preacher of God's word is that God's word's true and he could defend it. He can show himself real. It's almost like a kid taking a stick and poking at a lion. You know, the best way to defend the lion is not to defend the lion, it's to open up the cage and let the lion defend itself. The same thing's true about God's word. I don't have to spend time defending God's word. I can let God's word defend itself because it's true and it's unchangeable and God wants you to know that it is true. You could depend upon it. I'm not trying to sell people fairy tales or dreams. I'm not trying to sell them a puff of smoke. I'm not trying to give them a bucket of steam. I'm trying to give them and tell them about God's word who cannot lie, who has given us all these promises in the Bible that you can show for yourself. God's word will show itself 
true. You can depend upon it. You can trust in it. That's the wonderful thing is that I don't have to convince anyone. I'm just the messenger boy. God can do a better job than I can to show you that his word is true. That's a confidence that we have. It is an immutable thing that God's word is true. His counsel is immutable. In fact, God's word is the only thing that God has placed above his name. And we know how serious God takes his name. One of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That's a serious charge. But you know the one thing that God has placed above his name according to the Bible is his word. You can trust God's word. By the way, this is why I spend time trying to uh, speak about the preservation of scripture. I want you to have evidence for yourself that you can trust God's word. That someone didn't get a hold of it and mess with it. That we didn't lose books or we didn't change things. That some guy didn't have... uh, Didn't get a Starbucks coffee and then started writing extra zeros as he was nodding off. You can trust God's word because it cannot be changed. He promised to preserve it. He promised to give it to us and we can depend upon his promises. The greatest thing you could do on a daily basis is to be in the word of God yourself. Why? Because it's something that cannot change. Our knowledge changes. You think about things that we knew before as truth. We knew that all the worlds and the sun revolved around the earth. We knew that as fact. It's not true. That's been disproven. As our knowledge grows, our beliefs grow on different things. Things that we thought were true, now we're no longer. Even think about growing up. Remember growing up, we had jungle gyms, or for those who are so older, that, you know, metallic things. Or in the South, you had metal slides that you would get like burned the, your flesh off as you slid down them. And, and it was safe. No one, no one worried about that. And today you had to have safety measures and kids can't play. And, why? Because knowledge has changed and belief has changed and all these other things. You think of all the things that have changed within your lifetime. Things have not remained the same. But there's one thing that does not change. That's God's word. It is immutable. By the way, when we talk about God's word doesn't change, it also means that it doesn't need to be updated. It doesn't need a change for each culture. God's word is applicable and necessary for every people, for every culture, at every age. God's word is good enough for the people in this century as it was for the first century. God's word doesn't need to be updated. It doesn't need to be changed. It doesn't need to be updated in language. It doesn't need to be made less offensive. God's word is enough. It does not change. God's word does not change. We could trust it. We could depend upon it. And aren't you thankful for that? Because we don't have to look for the nearest revision. We don't have to figure out which promises are for us now and which ones have been passed away and striking off and taken away. We can depend on God's word always and forever. So we have two immutable things. First of all is the counsel of God, of God's word. God's word can be trusted. But there's something else that we find that is immutable. And we see here that not only God's counsel, but we also see God's character. God's character. God cannot lie. God cannot lie. Back to the book of 
Hebrews in chapter number 6. Hebrews chapter number 6, and notice with me in verse 18. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. God always has to tell the truth. And by the way, his truth doesn't change. Think about us. I'm a father, and for those of you who are parents, may have run into this. All right, Zeb, my son, we're going to try to do something on Friday. This is our plan. We're going to do this. But when Friday happens, the toilet blows up, and instead of hanging out with him, I have to fix the toilet. I have to fix the plumbing, because I can't leave it just pouring out for two days until I get to it. All right? Now, did I lie to him? No. But did my word change? Did I do what I said I was going to do? No, because circumstance changed. Why did they change? Why couldn't I tell him, I'm sorry, Zeb, I can't do this on Friday because the toilet's going to blow up. I didn't have that foreknowledge. I don't have enough information. All I could do is give my word based off the information that I have. But there are times that information is given to me that changes what I could do. Or maybe um, I was going to give my kids permission to do something. Then I learned more information and I had to say, no, you can't do that because I got more information. God's word cannot change. He cannot lie because he knows everything. Nothing catches God off guard. In fact, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? God knows everything. He doesn't need updated information. He sees the end from beginning. His word does not change because he already knows everything. Because he knows all the facts, he can make a statement. He can tell what's going to happen. He can give his word because he knows everything. Whereas our word, where we don't try to lie, sometimes is modified as we get more information. God's word never changes. His character cannot change. He does not lie because he knows everything. Verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who hath fled for refuge to lay upon the hope set before us. The word hope is a great Bible word. Today we use the word hope as more of a wistful, wishful thing. For example, many of us woke up, I hope that it is not cold outside. Now you could hope all you want, but it didn't change anything. The word hope in the Bible is a confident expectation of something or someone sure to come. A confident expectation of someone or something sure to come. Because our hope is based off of God's word and God cannot lie, I can trust what he said he was going to do. I can put my confidence, my hope, another word is faith. I could put my faith in him. I don't believe in such a thing as a blind faith. I believe that we have a faith that has confidence. It has evidence to back it up. And that's what this word hope is. For um, Verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, that we might have a strong consolation who hath fled for refuge to lay a hold upon the hope set before us. 
We can have a confident expectation. We can lay a hold of this confident expectation. What is this? Verse 19. Which hope we have as an anchor for of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. Now, the Bible says that we can have a hope, a confidence of the soul that is steadfast and sure. What are we speaking about here? Well, take your Bible and look with me to the book of 1 John chapter 5. The book of 1 John, if you're in the book of Hebrews, just keep turning uh, towards the back of the Bible. You, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 John. 1 John in chapter number 5. Now, I want you to pay attention to the words. We have hope. The word hope is a confident expectation of something steadfast and sure. It says we have hope, an anchor for the soul. The Bible uses the word knowledge, to know, to have confidence of, based off of evidence. Notice with me then in the book of 1 John 5.13. The book of 1 John 5.13. These things have I written unto you, God's word, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. And it goes on and says that we could ask of Him. Notice the words knowledge, confidence. We can have hope. These are sure words, anchor words. The Bible says in verse 13 that God has given to us his word. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know. K-N-O-W. To have with assurance that you have eternal life. God does not want you to be 50% sure, 75% sure, 99% sure that you're going to heaven, that your sins are forgiven. He wants you to know 100% sure without a doubt Based off of God's word, because God cannot change and his word cannot change. God cannot lie and his word is for sure. Someone would say, how can I know for sure that I'm going to heaven? Well, let me tell you, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that's me, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Save from what? Save from the penalty, oh God. God gave me a promise. I believed in his word. He told me, he promised me that God loved me so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him. And that's what I did. There was a time in my life in Dallas, Texas, when I was at a vacation Bible school where a preacher loved me enough that he took the Bible and showed me from the Bible that I was a sinner. And even though I was a young child, I didn't need, didn't need to be convinced that I was a sinner. I knew I was a wretch. But he loved me enough to take me to the Bible and show me from the Bible because of my sin. I had offended a holy, righteous God and I deserved to go to an awful place called hell. And I didn't want to go there. But then he loved me enough to tell me from the Bible that Jesus died for me. And that all I had to do was accept that free gift that he offered me. And I remember where I was at when I bowed my head and I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Oh, and guess what? It worked. He gave me a promise. How do I know I'm going to heaven? Not because I said a prayer. 
I know I'm going to heaven because of God's word. God cannot lie. This is why sometimes we'll phrase the question like this. Are you 100% sure from God's word? Meaning, can you open up the Bible and show me from God's word how you can know without a doubt that you're going to heaven? If you say no, let me tell you, the good news is, is that you can know. It would be our great privilege to take the Bible to show you from God's word. Not my opinion, not what I think, not some my perspective, from the evidence of God's word, because knowing that God can't lie and his word cannot be changed, knowing that you could trust God's word, I'd love to show you from the Bible how you can know without a doubt that you're going to heaven. To know with evidence, to know with proof that God's word is true. And because of it, you are going to heaven if you've accepted that free gift that God has given to you. I'm so glad that I don't have to hope I'm going to heaven, meaning the way that we use it wistfully. I'm glad that I don't have to wake up and say, I'm not sure today. I'm glad that it is based off of the, the surety, the immutability of God's word, that God's word will never change. By the way, there's never an expiration date. There's never a type of thing where the coupon runs out. I could always trust God's word. And so because of that, because of God's word being true, knowing that God cannot lie, let me just ask you that question, dear friend. Are you 100% sure from the Bible? Do you know without a doubt that your sins are forgiven and that you're going to heaven? If not, dear friend, let me tell you the greatest thing that could happen today is for you to find out from the Bible for yourself. And trust God's word knowing that he cannot lie. And trust in the promises to receive that promise for yourself. For those of you who do know for sure that you're going to heaven. Let me ask you this question. How much do you trust God's word? We should be able to read God's word like no other book. You should read your Bible differently than what you read the newspaper. People don't read newspapers anymore. You should read the Bible differently than that blog article, the Facebook thing, the CNN news that you read. Why? Because those things can be mistaken. But God's word cannot be mistaken. We should read it differently because we have a confidence and assurance. We know the author and he can't lie. And we could trust his word. You should be able to read it differently. Do you trust God's word? Do you read it like it's true? We encourage you, you can trust God's word. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. 
there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.